Matt Solver with the Dr. Ways In on the radio. And we have a really interesting episode today. We're going to talk about, don't know what sepsis is. Um, it, it's sometimes called blood poisoning, but it is in fact the body's deadly response to serious infection. And we have a survivor of sepsis with us here today, Dory Betancourt, and she's going to share uh, the story of how she got septic and uh, what that journey was like, and it was really trying. And then a little bit about uh, you know what life after um, after surviving such a serious illness has been like. So, Doreen. Welcome to our show, and um, why don't we start out by having you tell us a little bit about how was it that you came to get this serious infection? What what, what happened? Hi, Pat. Thanks for having me. Um, well, I actually, I was working at Coca-Cola at the time when I went into the hospital. My, my position was going to transfer down to Florida, and I had like a four-week interval so I had a, a nagging cyst on my ovary and decided I was going to get that removed while I had those four weeks off. So I went into the hospital to have the cyst removed. Um, it was an open procedure, which means it wasn't laparoscopic. They cut me open to do the procedure. And somehow my bowel ended up um, perforated, and I ended up for two days my uh, abdominal cavity filled up with stool. It wasn't recognized right away. So I ended up going septic and septic shock and spent close to two months in the hospital with a lot of setbacks. Every time I took a couple of steps forward, I take a couple of steps back. It, it was a long journey for me, and it was something that I was not aware of. I never even heard of sepsis, nor did my family. We didn't know what that was. So let's so let's uh, let's back up a little bit. You go in for what is really basically a routine surgery, um, although I guess it was a little bit different because it wasn't laparoscopic, which is pretty routine for cyst removals now. So there was something going on that meant you had an open procedure, but an open procedure usually has better visualization and some docs would say maybe more control than um, when you do a laparoscopic surgery, and and yet. Something happened, and um, it sounds like perhaps there was a, a, a nick in, in the bowel that allowed the stool to enter the peritoneal cavity. And, and, and for people who don't know, the stool is basically uh, loaded with bacteria. So you, you, you basically had a big dump of bacteria into the peritoneal cavity, which is the cavity where the gut lives in the stomach and the liver and, you know, all the all, all the gastrointestinal organs, as well as the um, the uterus and the ovaries. So um, how did you know, why, why was there, a, why did it take a couple of days before people figured out something serious was going on? Were you not having any symptoms? Well, I think in my case, it, it was difficult because I was, um, post-op, and so pain post-operative is not abnormal. Um, I was having a lot of pain. I kept saying I felt something was wrong, and my family said that they felt something was wrong because I looked flush. Um, I was at, at some point, I, you know, was hypotensive. Um, I had a little bit of a fever at times. It wasn't, it wasn't high. It wasn't a high-grade fever. It was a low-grade temp. It wasn't until 
the, se- the second day, what they kept telling me to get up and walk around that this was gas pain. And then they were giving me stuff to go to the bathroom, um, stool softeners, which was kind of, you know, making it a lot worse. And the pain became unbearable. And then at on the second day in the morning, my heart rate went up to the, like, 170s, 180s. That's when I went into septic shock. Um, okay. So and this is very interesting because what you had was peritonitis, which just means an inflammation yep. of the peritoneum. And yep. that's what people get, for example, when they have appendicitis and, um, and the appendix bursts. And I used to be an emergency physician. I took care of a lot of people who had paraphernalia in the emergency department. And uh, the pain that people experience is exquisite. No, actually, that's yeah. too positive of a word. <laughs> it's, 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 it's excruciating. It's excruciating. And you were complaining of pain. And your family's saying something's wrong. And you've got a low-grade fever. And at one point, your blood pressure drops. Um, it sounds to me, and I, I, I'm not going to point fingers because I wasn't there, but it does sound mm-hmm. in listening to this story that that people were not paying attention um, to to your complaints, to your symptoms, and um, and that ended up being somewhat of a delay in your diagnosis until you were already in shock. So now what happens, you end up in shock. I'm sure that all of a sudden all the bells and whistles are going on and people are scurrying around and, and, and trying yeah. to take care of you. What, what was happening? Um, it was actually, I'll never forget it. It was 525 in the morning. And that night I kept I kept calling for the nurse. I think it's actually in my medical records where it says patient laying in bed moaning. I was holding the side rails of the bed and I was like, oh, please help me, help me. Like I was in agony. And um at 5.25 in the morning, that's when my heart rate just went way up. I became very hypotensive. I had rigors. I remember two people holding my arm down. They were trying to get a blood gas on me. Um, and I, I remember them, they were going to send me to the ICU for um, cardiac monitoring because they were giving me cardiac meds. They were pumping me with cardiac meds. At this point, they still don't know I'm septic. You know what I mean? And uh, they were going to send well, me to the unit for that. I, I, actually, I actually have to tell you that I find that a little bit unbelievable, that that they were missing all of these signs that are saying, I am really sick. You know, I just had surgery and I am really sick. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's one thing to say it's cardiac because you have a fast heart rate, but when you put together low-grade fever, drop in blood pressure, fast heart rate, and and the serious pain that you were experiencing, um, another diagnosis probably should have come to mind first. So you get yeah. transferred to the unit. How long before they ended up saying, this is sepsis, and you not only need to be on antibiotics, but you probably need another surgery? At at that point, I don't know if that, because that's like a fuzzy area to me, and I don't know if they actually transferred me to the unit or to CAT scan first. I do remember going to CAT scan, and that's when they realized that I had a perf. And they told my mom that they needed to take me in for surgery or I was going to die. And they took me back in for surgery. And this time they left me open hip to hip because I was so infected. I had large abscesses all throughout the abdomen, um, into the pelvic area. 
I ended up with uh, fistulas with high output. Um, what do you explain I, what I, that means? What is, what is a fistula with high output for our for our listeners? The the fistula, like your your body, automatically tries to find a way of getting rid of toxins. And what mine did was it created a tunnel from my intestine to the um, wound on my abdomen. So there was a tunnel in so that. So your wound was, dra- was, was draining pus and, and, and fecal matter. Fecal matter, yeah. Like the, I think the the one thing that really sparked for me and my family, um, they gave me some stuff to drink for a CAT scan, and like within a couple of minutes, it all poured out of my belly onto my lap. I think that was the, you know, the dead giveaway that I pretty had a fistula. Right, pretty much confirming that you had a fistula. Yeah. And and so then what? And so then what happened? Your family must have been frantic. Were were you um uh, were you a little bit confused at, at at this point? Were you um not completely with was, the program because you were so sick? Yeah, I was very very um I I was sitting there talking to my mother and my friend was there and I, I was drinking the stuff of the CAT scan and the contrast, and all of a sudden my lap felt really warm, and I lifted the blanket. And I can remember just staring, and my mother just jumped up and ran to the nurse's face. She didn't even call. She just ran. And um, it kind of freaked everybody out because it was something that we didn't expect. You know what I mean? You don't expect something like that. And um, that's when, you know, things changed. They, they had at one point discussed... Um, me going back in for surgery and it was it was that point where I said if you operate on me again I'm going to die I I can't do it again you know like that I couldn't go through anymore I was in so much pain right um, so you've already had two surgeries at this point I've had two surgeries at this point I was on they ended up putting me on a triotide treatment so I I was getting nine shots a day in my belly for um bowel rest and the octreotide um, one of the side effects is hair loss so my hair was all falling out I ended up um, at that point they put me on TPN so I had no food no water no nothing for two months just strictly the TPN which I have to say that gives you no energy whatsoever it basically is just sustaining you I did not have an ounce of energy so that's uh, for our listeners total parental nutrition, which means we uh, feed you um, nutrients um, more more than just giving you an IV, but you actually are getting nutrients in a liquid form uh, going into your into into your vein, and and in and of itself, TPN is a, is a, is a tricky treatment and has to be administered really by people that know what they're what they're doing. Right, they ended up. Um, you know, I was on the TPN in the hospital, and they ended up, critical care came out and taught my mom how to do it. So when I went home, my mom was hooking me up to my TPN feedings that night. My mom stayed in the hospital for the whole first month. She didn't go home. Until they could tell her I was going to live, she wouldn't leave. So it took a toll, you know, on most of my family because it, it interrupted everybody's lifestyle. You know what I mean? Like my sister Deb would come to the hospital every night. She would cook and bring whoever was staying there food. 
my mom and my sister Diane took turns once they said that I was going to make it. They took turns sleeping there every night. I was never by myself. They had given me morphine. Um, I got confused, so I ended up restrained to a bed. <laughs> you know, I was pulling out NG tubes, and, you know, um, they ended up restraining me. I ended up having um, the wound back. Like, I ended up going to school to become a, a registered nurse after all this happened. And oh, I was and that's very, great. Did you, become, did you become a nurse? I became a registered nurse. I went and got my associate degree first and started practicing as a nurse, and then I went back for the bachelor's degree. And I'm taking a year off, and then I'm going back for the master's. Oh, well, that's fantastic. So, so you know, Doreen, uh, our time is, is really zipped by, but particularly now that I understand that you're that, that you're a nurse and 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 you can look back on the treatment that you got and um, both both what happened in, in, in the time that you had the surgery, what happened prior to them making the diagnosis of sepsis, and then this very prolonged course, which is totally typical of people who have sepsis, um, including going home and bouncing back into the hospital and out again. What's your take on it now? Putting your putting your nursing hat on. What's your take on what happened to you? I feel that. I mean, obviously, I don't feel like anybody um, dropped the ball on purpose. You know what I mean? I feel like there was a lack of knowledge. Uh, people didn't understand sepsis then, like they do now in the medical field. I mean, there's still so much more to learn about it, but. I just feel like it wasn't something that was as out there as it is right now where people would have caught that, you know. And, I, you know, as a nurse looking at it, if something like that happened today, yeah, I would feel like someone was dropping the ball, you know, because we're educated more now where we know what to, you know, signs and symptoms to watch for. And um, were they educated then? I don't know. I wasn't a nurse back then. You know, but as a nurse today, I feel that, you know, when the family's telling you something's wrong and the patient's telling you something's wrong, my abdomen was distended. Like, I just feel like um, somebody should have caught on to something. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it to me. You were saying, I am sick. And uh, people were looking for another reason to explain your symptoms. So I think you were very, very, very fortunate that you had a good outcome. And I think it's magnificent that what you're doing now is to spend a lot of time helping to educate uh, other people about what is sepsis. So do you mind saying, let's just close by you saying a little bit about that experience that you've had in part because of your affiliation with the Sepsis Alliance and um, because of what you've been through. Tell us a little bit about how you're, you're, you're going about um, spreading the word. Uh, the Sepsis Alliance have been great with me. Every time there's an opportunity that they feel I'm a sit for that opportunity, they push, you know, for me to have that experience. I've gone to um, Washington, D.C. I spoke to Senate about sepsis. Um, I've actually gone a couple of times because I was also invited by the um, CCRI school to go to um, share my story. Um, I'm going to, um, I'll be doing a um, TV interview tomorrow. I'm going to Weymouth High School 
on the ACE to to work a sepsis booth. So there's a lot of different avenues I take. I've spoke at, um, I was invited at the University of Rhode Island to speak about sepsis. As a nurse, we have I'm in a teaching hospital, so we have students quite often, and the the instructors seek me out to um, educate the new nurses that are coming on about sepsis. And I'm I feel that I am a um, a resource on my own floor where I work for sepsis because I feel so strongly about it because of what I went through. Well, you know, I really want to thank you, Doreen, for sharing your story with our audience and for sharing your experience with all the different uh, organizations and people that you have um, uh, described to us today. And we're glad that you're fully recovered and that you're now a nurse, and we wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. 